the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Things can go south when you neglect the relationship. And sometimes with God, we can just get so busy with life and we're doing our own thing and we think that we're all that, we forget God. Whatever the reason might be, let this psalm remind you that there is no distance too great, that God always welcomes back home those who are estranged from Him. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. You feel far away from God today? God's encouraging word to you is that He still loves you and desires for you to return to Him. God's love for us doesn't wear out or weaken. It's our hearts that drift away from Him. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind us that God is willing to receive you if you return to Him and repent of your sin. No matter what reason you may have for allowing yourself to grow distant from God, return to Him today. Today we will learn clear, practical steps we can take to welcome God back into our hearts again. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 124 to 127, with part two of his message, Pilgrim's Progress. When we disobey God and when we sin against Him, a lot of times shame then overwhelms us and shame whispers a lie to us. And the lie that shame whispers to us is, You see what you've done? God could never take you back. See how shamed you should feel? See how guilty you are? God would never love you and God would never take you back. Now, there is a reason that we feel shame and guilt. it's, uh, It's called a conscience and God has given it to us and the Holy Spirit will convict us when we do wrong against the Lord. So we should feel a measure of guilt. But that shame or guilt should never prevent us from running back to the loving arms of our Father. That's the lie that shame whispers in our ears. And if it's not shame because of sin, I think another reason why we, we bring distance in our relationship with God is frankly because sometimes life disappoints us. Maybe no sin of our own, but maybe because life has not really turned out the way we had hoped or some things have happened in our lives and a curveball was thrown in our direction and we didn't expect it and so disappointments of life begin to add up and tragedy takes its toll and we get angry at God and we wonder where God was and we blame God. And then sometimes that distance is created. 
And if it's not sin that breeds shame, and if it's not disappointment in life, you know, frankly, I think another reason why we create distance between us and God is just plain neglect. Just plain neglect. Like any relationship, like a friendship, like a marriage, things can go south when you neglect the relationship. And sometimes with God, we can just get so busy with life and we're doing our own thing and we think that we're all that, we forget God. Whatever the reason might be, let this psalm remind you that there is no distance too great, that God always welcomes back home those who are estranged from him. That's what this chapter is about. God brought them back from their captivity. And God welcomes with open arms those who are estranged from him, those who are prone to wander. God welcomes back. Robert Robinson was a young man who grew up in the 18th century in England. His dad died when he was a little boy. And without his dad's guidance, Robert Robinson got himself into a lot of trouble. He got involved in the wrong crowd, started hanging out with the wrong kids. Yeah, even in 18th century England, you can get into trouble. And one day he decided to invite his friends to a camp meeting that George Whitfield was preaching at. Not because they wanted to go to church, but Robert Robinson as a teenager decided, I'm going to bring my friends so we can heckle George Whitfield as he's preaching. Well, little did they know that as they're there ready to heckle George Whitfield, they come under the conviction of the preaching of George Whitfield. And young Robert Robinson gave his life to Christ. A couple of years later, when he was 20 years old, in the year 1757, Robert Robinson wrote that classic hymn of our faith, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And in that song, he wrote a caution to his own soul, which is a good reminder to all of us. He wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He said, Lord, I know in my flesh I'm prone to wander. I don't want to, Lord seal my life in you. He would also write in that song in the third stanza, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. How his kindness yet pursues me, mortal tongue can never tell. Clothed in flesh till death shall loose me, I cannot proclaim it well. In other words, he says, I don't even have the words. I can't proclaim this well enough to describe how Jesus sought me when I was estranged from him. And he pursued me with his love. Oh, Lord, I'm prone to wander. Don't let that happen. Let the sinner come home. Let the wanderer come home. Let those who are estranged from the Lord come home. If you've put distance between yourself and God, listen again, God has not created that distance. We do that. If you've put distance between yourself and God, Let this chapter remind you that God always welcomes home those who are estranged from him. Let's look at one more chapter before we close today. Go to chapter 127. 
In Psalm 127, we see again, this is a song of ascents. They would sing this up to Jerusalem. This also has a byline. It is of Solomon. This is David's son, Solomon. He wrote, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So again, this psalm here is written by King David's son Solomon, who also will later become king after his father. The first part of this chapter here is a warning about doing things without the Lord, which will prove in the end to be a very vain or useless endeavor. And he starts out by talking about building a house without the Lord is a vain thing. Now, Solomon was a builder. Uh, he, he built the temple of the Lord. His, his dad had given him the plans uh, by the Lord, but Solomon was the one who built the temple of the Lord. Solomon also built himself a, a pretty palatial structure. In fact, the Bible says he spent a lot more time building himself a house than he did the temple of God. Might say something about what he was preoccupied with. But he built up other cities around Israel, too. Solomon was a builder, and he understood, if I undertake this project without the Lord's leading then no matter what I, quote, build, will be in vain. This is a good reminder to us. The idea here of building is not just literally a house. This is figuratively. It, it, it is important for us to realize you, you can't build, whether it is a house or a church or a career uh, or a business, without the Lord. If you do, it will be a vain endeavor. That we need to make sure that God is leading and God is guiding and God is in this equation because if, if we try to attempt things without making sure that God is behind this and that God is leading it, it will end up to prove to be a very useless and vain endeavor. And Solomon understood a lot about this. He writes an entire book called Ecclesiastes about the vanity of life, how I've done everything, he says. I've done everything. I even got the t-shirt and I still ended up empty. So how can that happen? Because Solomon also veered off the path. And he also neglected God, and he was steeped in idolatry for a period of time in Israel's history. He even was encouraging the people to offer their babies in sacrifice to false gods. So there was a very, very low point in Solomon's life and in his leadership. And part of this is, is very experiential here. He's writing about, listen, take it from somebody who built stuff and did things without the Lord. You try to live your life without him, it'll be a vain endeavor. You try to stand guard on the city wall as a watchman and you don't realize that God is the ultimate protector and you think you're the one who's really the ultimate protector, it'll be a vain endeavor. He says, you get up really early and you stay up late because you're trying to do things by the work of your hand and the power of your might so that you can let other people think you're all that. Let me tell you something. Take it from me. Solomon understands. You try to live your life in such a way that you get up early and stay up late, but without God in the equation, it'll be a vain and useless endeavor. That's why he adds here, God gives people good sleep because it's better to do a little with God in the equation than a lot without him. Because a little with God in the equation will be much better and much more successful and greater than a lot on our own efforts and in our own strength without him. Now, that's the first part of this chapter, but that's not even the point that I want us to really hone in on here. Because he makes a dramatic shift 
in the middle of this chapter, starting at verse 3, where he goes from vain things to precious things. And the precious things that he speaks about in the closing part of this chapter are children. He says there in verse 3 that sons are a heritage from the Lord and children a reward from him. He says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Now, this is an interesting chapter because, again, these are the songs of ascent. The Jews, the ancient Jews, would sing this chapter among the others here in 120 to 134. They'd be singing Psalm 127, going up to the house of the Lord about children about the goodness of children, the blessing of children, how precious children are. Now, this is also interesting because Solomon is the one writing this. And Solomon didn't have many kids. His, by definition of what he talks about a quiver being full, his quiver was not very full. This is a guy who had a thousand women. A thousand. Okay, I always get it mixed up. I should have looked it up. Is it 700 wives and 300 concubines? Or is it 300 concubines and 700 wives? Does it matter? He had 1,000. He should have only had one. Is anybody hearing me? Okay. And by the way, if you think, well, some of you guys who are young, you're like, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. No. That's a 1,000 that's a mothers-in-law. <laughs> and you would for sure have zero closet space. But in all those thousand women, you know the Bible says that Solomon only had one son. Only one son. And it mentions daughters plural, so he had maybe two, but that's it. And yet he writes here about children and how important they are. Verse 3 talks about they are a heritage from the Lord. Verse 3 says they are a reward from the Lord. In verse 5 he says we're blessed for having them. Now, why a song up to celebrate the Lord would you be talking about children in this way? I'll tell you why. Because when they would ascend up to Jerusalem, you see, it was about worshiping the Lord. And when you worship the Lord, you're going to be thankful for his gifts and all the many ways that he is good to us and all his wonderful blessings. And the most precious blessings that God ever gives come in the form of children. That's why they're singing this. Because they don't want to ever forget the wonderful things you've done for us, Lord. Supremely among them, the wonderful, precious gift of children. We can't forget that. In this journey we call life between here and there, how wonderful and precious children are. It's number six on our list. Remember that children are a blessing from the Lord. Now, why does this have to be said? Should we not know this? It has to be said because we're living in a culture right now that doesn't value children. They don't. Oh, yes, there's some worthy causes and there's some wonderful things that are being done for children. But let me tell you something. When we as a nation have aborted almost now 60 million children since 1973, Roe v. Wade decision, almost 60 million children, don't tell me our society values children. Almost 60 million children. And just to set the record straight, because I know there's a lot of political talk about Planned Parenthood, true statistic, of those 60 million children that have been aborted in our country, 
Eight million have been aborted through Planned Parenthood. Eight million. This is a tragedy. Sixty million children in our country since 1973. Let me give you the equivalent population. That is the equivalent, approximately, of the combined total populations of Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, and Virginia. Is that not sobering? Two weeks ago, the Washington Compost called me. They wanted my opinion about the social issues in the upcoming gubernatorial race, primarily the topic of abortion. They said, what, what do you as evangelical Christians think about this, the whole aspect of abortion and the gubernatorial race? Now, they didn't, they didn't quote everything that I said, so should that shock me. I was thankful, though, that they did decide to give me the last word in the entire article. They gave me the last word. And what I did say was, it is our responsibility to protect life from the womb to the tomb. What they didn't quote, and I want to make sure you hear the rest of it, if you read the article. As I said to them, when a society fails to stand up for those without a voice, it will be the end of that society. They didn't quote that part, but it's true. And I don't mean that just for the unborn. I mean that for the elderly. I mean that for the poor. I mean that for the mentally disabled. Whenever a society refuses to speak for those without a voice, that's going to be the doom and the end of a society. Children are a blessing from the Lord. They are precious to the Lord. They should be loved and valued and cherished. And in addition to those who have been aborted, there are those children who are neglected or mistreated. In 2015, there were nearly four, there were four million reports of child mistreatment in the United States involving more than seven million children. And over 78% of perpetrators of child mistreatment were parents acting alone together or with other individuals. Plus, on any given day in the United States, there are nearly 428,000 children in foster care in the United States. And thank God for foster parents and adoption agencies and adopting families who care for children who would otherwise be uncared for. Yes, and amen. The International Labor Organization estimates that there are 20.9 million victims of human trafficking in the world. 20 point, now that's a global number. 20.9 million people who are victims of of human trafficking. But of that 20.9 million people, 26% of them, or 5.4 million, are children who are caught in the ugly web of human trafficking. I want to close by reading this letter that I received a couple of months ago when I started this series in the book of Psalms. And this letter I received from some people who used to attend our church about 10 years ago, and they have since since moved to Tallahassee, Florida. And um, the the one who wrote this letter, his name is Philip, uh, he used to play on our worship team. He played the keyboard. Uh, He and his wife Donna and their son Gregory attended here for several years, and and now they live in Tallahassee, Florida. And I I wasn't even aware that they still follow the church and they watch online often. And 
And so he saw that I was starting in in the series of Psalms, and so he wrote me this letter, and I asked his permission to read it. So I'm going to read it. It's a a sobering letter, but I hope um, God will use it as he does, because I read it with his permission to help even just one family. Dear Gary, since you are making your way through the book of Psalms, I wanted to share some of my recent testimony with you as it pertains to Psalm 127. This specifically applies to where Psalm 127 calls children a blessing from the Lord, and as it contradicts so much of what our culture teaches with regards to children being a burden or too expensive, or as I've heard many people say, quote, I don't want to be tied down, end quote. My only son, Gregory, was born on June 2nd, 1999. At the time, my wife and I were newlyweds and were very excited to be bringing a child into the world. We did our best to raise Gregory in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just after Gregory's 15th birthday, my wife and I came home from work to find that Gregory had taken his own life. The initial shock of losing our only son, combined with a grief that will most likely stay with me until the day I breathe my last here on earth, has completely changed my perspective on how we should view children in our lives. I look back and recognize so many times I took my son for granted and the time I was given to spend with him. There are also so many things I'll never get to see him do in life, such as drive a car, graduate high school, get married, and perhaps one day provide me with grandchildren. My family name died with him as well, as I do not have another son to carry it on. Before Gregory died, I was probably like most parents, struggling to figure out how to pay for so many things and struggling to find the time to work a job and be involved in my son's life enough to make it matter. Now I'd pay anything and give anything to spend more time with him and to see him grow up into a man. I'll spend the rest of my life with a lot of regrets and a lot of loneliness from a life that was cut way too short. I do not take lightly Psalm 127 anymore. Children are the richest blessing anyone can ever be gifted from God. I cherish the memories of my son and weep at so much that we have now lost. The only teachable moment in all of this is to trust in God's word as truth and to know that a man, quote, whose quiver is full is indeed the most blessed of men. I share this with you mostly for the married 20-somethings in your flock who may be scared of having children for whatever reason. Do not allow the culture in our society to lie to you about what children mean. They are not a burden. They are not an expense. I'd gladly give every cent I have to bring back my son. Blessings in Christ, Philip Weckner. That's sobering. That's challenging. I don't read this so that some of us who have older children will have regrets. You can't go back and redo things other than saying maybe you were sorry for not being there, expressing your love. But I read it because his desire also is that even if for one family and for one child to be loved more and to have more time spent with a mom or a dad, 
Let's do our best to always cherish the most precious gifts that God has given us in the form of children. And let's be thankful. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're that you've got no place to go, but still you know, you're not alone. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Hope is enough, no, jump in and you'll find the call. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.